How's everybody doing tonight? Clouds are in the sky. You know, it's funny how when the world starts to need God and things get a little desperate, all of a sudden it's we're calling on officials for prayer. We're, oh my gosh, everybody. I mean, it's, oh, pray for rain. I was like, well, let's pray for life every day of the year. Amen. It's interesting, but, uh, but God's good, you know, and he responds to our heart cry. And, and uh, I'm telling you, I'm just so, so grateful tonight. And Christian, thanks for leading us tonight. We did a little unplug thing tonight and uh, a little different speed and pace. We've got people out all over the place. And, and so we were like, let's just do an unplugged coffee shop moment, coffee house. So can we pray together? I just, I want to ask the Lord to, in the spirit of Ephesians chapter 1. Christian, that's awesome, champ. You can stop now. You're amazing. It's awesome. Or you can play all night. It's actually that good. But I told him a minute ago, I said, man, that's awesome, whatever you're playing. I like that. It's beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. Champ, you can too. That's awesome. Really, it's good. But I want us to pray, and, and I'm going to pray in the spirit of Ephesians chapter 1, which literally speaks in terms of us having the Spirit. Someone say the Spirit. the Spirit. The Spirit of revelation, the Spirit of wisdom, so that we, we may have our eyes opened or enlightened. And that's the whole idea, is the reason we gather here on a midweek, a Wednesday night, a lot of churches are opting not to meet on Wednesdays anymore, and and uh, I'm a little old school in that I really like you guys, and I like to see you, and I like to spend time with you, and I love when we can get in the Word together, and over the last month, we've been creating an atmosphere, an environment in here where, where though I may get to preach a little sermon, you guys are bringing the message. And really, that's, that's a Corinthians 14 model of doing church, so it's actually where the church gets to be the church, Amen. And so can we pray together as we get started tonight? And then, uh, by the way, this is a lab class. I don't know if we scared everybody off from last week, but we're going to continue on learning and growing and developing our ability to hear and our ability to see because we want to have eyes to see. But Jesus always used a curious phrase, particularly in Mark chapter 4 when he's speaking stories or parables, when he would say this, for those who have what? Ears, ears to hear. And I want to have ears to hear, Amen. But I also want to have eyes to see and a heart to perceive. And so, so let's pray. And I'm just going to pray in the spirit of Ephesians 1. Father, we thank you for your word. Your words are life. Your words, Father, uh, order our steps. And, and Father, by your word, Father, you show us a way. And so, God, I pray tonight, Lord, that as we gather to here tonight, Lord, we literally will dial in, tune in, and, and really get our, our heart, our minds, our ears, our spirits set on you. And so, Lord, we, we give you our hearts right now. We give you our minds right now. We ask you to speak. We ask you, Lord, to, uh, your word says that, that your sheep hear your voice. And so we want to hear your voice tonight. We want to listen for your voice tonight. And I believe you have much to say. So, God, we set ourselves into a posture. We posture ourselves into a place of expectation tonight. We expect you to speak. Father, we want to come to a place where if you don't show up, we're surprised. Instead of vice versa. So God, I ask you, Lord, to come. Lord, not only do we invite you in, we open the doors. We say, Lord, you're here. It's, this is your house. And we make room for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. 
When I was a college student at Howard Payne University, I was very hungry for the things of God. I had been reading the Bible, and though I was in a denomination that I'm grateful for and thankful for and great heritage, I continued to have this sense that there was more. I had this sense that I was missing something. I had this sense that, that I was um, bumping a lid, so to speak. John Maxwell talks about in his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. He talks about the law of the lid, and it's that sense that it's an invisible lid, but you feel it. It's where you kind of get moving, and then boom, you get hit. You think you're about to get your car paid off, and boom, you get hit. That's a lid. It's like, ah, I thought I was going to be past that, and, and all of a sudden, you're bumping the lid. I remember catching grasshoppers as kids and throwing them in mom's Tupperware. She didn't like that. But, but I'd sneak some Tupperware out, and I'd put a lid over that thing, and they'd jump up, and they'd, they're trying to jump. And, they, and what was happening is that what they were created for was being stifled by a lid over their life, and a lot of times we as believers, we've got this lid and we're just operating and we keep bumping into it and bumping into it and bumping into it. And what it is, it's a lid of limitation over our lives. And I don't know about you, but I want to take all the lids off of my life. I don't want there to be limits. I don't have a mentality. Coach John Rohr is one of my precious favorite guys and uh, has just been a dear friend to Annette and I. And he's, he's part of our larger Every Nation family. And and he has this saying, and his, his mentality is no limits, no limits. Every time he writes a tweet or a blog, or anything, he always signs it, no limits. He, if he texts me, he'll sign it, no limits, because his mentality is, is we cannot live with a mentality of limits when we li- have a God who is a God of impossibility. In fact, every time we assemble together, I get excited because I think, could this be the night that revival begins in the city of Abilene? It's like fishing. I was that way. I, I, now, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, so we didn't have a lot of great fishing holes. I mean, we would have to drive over to White River Lake, which is not a beautiful place, or Buffalo Springs Lake, or Lake Ransom Canyon, some of these areas around there, or some of the little parks, just to try to get a hook in the water. And so every time I went, though, I had this attitude of there could be a really big lunker out there just waiting for me. Every time I had this sense of possibility. And I still have, at 49 years of age, still many years later, I still have this sense that every time we gather, that we actually could have a moment where we literally create an atmosphere where God says, I'm ready. Because I don't know about you, but if you know anything about the city of Abilene and the spiritual temperature over our city for years, for years, many people who come from the outside of our community who come in to speak at our churches and minister in our churches in our city have this sense that God wants to move mightily in Abilene, Texas. He wants to do something. And you can call it what you want. You can call it revival. You can call it renewal. You can call it awakening. You can call it an outpouring, a deluge, a downpour, a heavy rain. Whatever it is, I want it. And whatever it is, I'm not satisfied... And I love what Scott was saying, sharing with some friends of ours last night. I'm not satisfied with mediocre. Mediocre doesn't cut it for me. I don't know about you, but I want more. And let me put it this way. It may be not so much that I get more of God, but that he gets more of me. And so whatever this means, whether I'm getting more, if it's semantics, so be it. But if I'm getting more of him, or if he, in, in a sense, is getting more of me, either way, I want more. Either more of me to him or more of him to me, and maybe it's both. Because James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So it sounds like there's both. Super and natural. 
super, above nature, supernatural. And so I want to live at a place where the supernatural becomes normative. Does that make sense? Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe it's possible? Why are we so quiet tonight? Did our acoustic music bring you down? You need some coffee? Talk back to me. Because this is, this is, we're in this together tonight. Do you believe it's possible to live a life whereby the supernatural is normal? Yes. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm learning. I, and again, I'm learning. This is, not in a, this is something that is developed, and I believe that God is developing things. Today I had an incident happen because what I'm doing is I'm looking for everyday grace. I'm looking for miracles in the moment. Miracles in the mundane moments of life. So today I'm going out to my car and I, I grab my guitar, throw it in a case, and I go heading out to my car and I put my guitar in, in the car and Ed had already taken off and, and gone to meet somebody. And so I put it in there and I'm about to get in my car and I forget something. I forgot, I forgot uh, a piece of equipment that I needed, and I was like, oh, I've got to go back. So I went back in, and I could smell a candle in the house. That's not unusual. Annette likes candles, and we, our house smells good all the time. So no big deal, and I didn't think about it. I just I smell a candle. I like the smell of that candle. So I turn around, I grab my bag, and I go out to the car, and I'm going to leave. So I shut the door, I open the garage door, and when I go to pull my car door open, my, my alarm goes off, scared the bejeebies out of me for one. I'm like, that because it's in my closed garage. I mean, I just started the door up, and I mean, it's like, wah, wah, wah. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's never happened before. I've had that car about a year. I don't know how long I've had it, not quite a year, however long I've had it. I've never done that before. So I'm like, what is going on? I'd left the cars, the keys in the ignition, but still, I don't know why the alarm went off. So I get in there, and I'm, you know how you're in that panic mode for a minute, and you're punching every button on there trying to shut it up, wondering if the neighbors are going, what's going on? Mrs. Kravitz across the street, you know. Some of y'all remember that. Anyway, that was, that was definitely a dated time period reference. But anyway, so, 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 because you know, the neighbors are looking, right? It's funny, our neighbor, I'm about to go off on another, I'm going to stop. We have nosy neighbors, let's put it that way. They know everything about us, it scares me. So I go, so I realize when that happens, I'm like, okay, that was bizarre. That was weird. I end up, this is like the third time I've tried to get out of my car and leave. And then it dawns on me, what if God is trying to tell me something? Now, here's the deal. Some people get real caught up in like a leg growing out or an ear growing back. And I think that's all amazing. But I'm looking for God in the everyday stuff. Because I serve an interactive God. I don't serve a distant God. I serve an interactive God who works with me. He's working beside me. The Holy Spirit is my helper, the parakletos, the one called alongside to help. That means he's with me. And I, I happen to believe I've got some big old honking angels around me too because people have told me that. I haven't ever seen them, but some people are a little more perceptive than me. And they're like, man, you got these big angels. I'm like, really? It makes me feel big. Yeah, bodyguards, you know. So I, I, I'm thinking something's up. So I step back in the house, and I smell that candle again. And, the whole, and I go, oh. I go looking for it, and I find it. There's one still burning. And I went, thank you, Lord. Now, no ear grew back, and, you know, there wasn't like a big epiphany or anything. But I walked out of the house rejoicing that God cares about the little things. Of course, house burning down is a pretty big thing. Yeah, it's a pretty big thing. All right, now, we don't want fire going anywhere. I mean, it's going to light up the whole city. So... I just, I, li- I walked out just rejoicing, going, God, you're so good. You're teaching me to hear you in the little things. And I just felt so protected. 
I just felt, I was like, oh, God, you're so good. So I figure if God can remind me that a candle's burning and he can do that, <laughs> he had to get me back in the house several ways, couldn't God take care of your issue? Couldn't God take care of your problem? Couldn't, do you think God might could orchestrate a divine appointment for you? Do you think God might could bring somebody in your path who has a need and you're there to say, how can I help you? I, and maybe you're the answer for that. Could it be that, that God is that interactive? Well, I, I drove off going, God, you're a miracle-working God. And I don't care what anybody says. To me, that's a miracle. And I celebrate that. I think what happens is, is that as we begin to celebrate the miracles, because we tend to be very desensitized because of special effects and movies and media blitz and nothing amazes us anymore. We've lost a sense of wonder. I mean, it was the last time, I mean, I was excited to see clouds today. I stepped out and went, oh, wow, I forgot what these look like. It's amazing. I just, that sense of awe and sense of wonder to go, oh, God, you're so amazing. Now, here's the deal. I, I'm thinking in terms of this word, this term, everyday grace. A friend of mine wrote a book named Ken Jones, and, and Ken, he's written two books, and Ken had never thought about writing a book, and, and I encouraged him, you should write a book. So now he's written two, and the second one's called Everyday Grace. And I love the title of that because it really captures what we're trying to seek out. The word grace means this, God's power, dunamis, God's strength, God's ability, and God's favor to do what we in and of ourselves cannot do. That's what grace is. Grace is not just a get-out-of-sin-free pass. It's not greasy, it's not slippery, and it's not easy, and it costs Jesus his very life. So grace is not some nice little tidy thing. Grace is power. The Bible said Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus didn't need great unmerited favor, did he? No, but he did need power. So he tapped into the power, the grace of God. So when I think in terms of everyday grace, I'm talking about everyday miraculous, everyday God moving, the super being over the natural, supernatural, above nature life. That is what you are called to. Let me tell you what the world needs. The world needs some believers who believe. And the world needs some believers who will hang it out there to the point where if God doesn't show up, we look like an epic failure. Where we're so believed that God is able and God desires and God wants to meet a person's need or meet them at their point of need that we will risk missing the shot and we'll take the shot. Amen? Let me tell you what the world deserves from us. A demonstration of the power of God. A demonstration of the kingdom of God. Because what's happened, church, is we've gotten so caught up in the gospel of salvation. Man, we want to get everybody saved. But we, want, we don't want to get anybody equipped and we don't want to get anybody trained. And surely we don't want to release them into their destiny. Into their, we don't want to release them to do anything. That could get messy. Somebody might mess up. See, if, I, if we relinquish too much authority to you, if we give you too much power, what if you make a mistake? It's like giving a kid, a 14-year-old, the keys to the, to, the, to the Maserati. He might make a mistake. Right? At 14, I, I was given a 69 Chevelle Supersport. It had a 396 big block in it. That was my parents' big mistake. Either they're trying to get me killed. We're going to get our son taken out right quick. We're going to give him this car. It was a crazy fast car. But it, they gave me too much too quick. But let me tell you something. There was a risk involved. 
And you know what? I didn't get killed, and I didn't kill anybody, and I learned how to drive really quick, really good. And let me tell you something. There, there are things that need to be released to you as the body of Christ. And, and one, of it, one of the truths is, is that you are a minister. You are a minister, and you carry the resurrection power of Jesus in your life, and that the miracles, the supernatural activity and interaction of God should be normal. It should be normal. The problem is, is we don't recognize it because it's happening all the time. So what I'm asking God is to give us eyes to see and ears to hear the voice of God, eyes to see the activity. Does that make sense? All right, you want to dive in the Word a little bit? So when I was in college, let me finish my story. When I was in college, I was hungry for more. And here's what was happening. Though I valued my heritage, though I valued what I was being taught, I was a theology student. The problem was is that there were certain parts of the Bible that I never heard the Holy Spirit taught against, only neglected. Okay? So I, I don't fault anybody for that. I, I loved my professor, loved my school. But, but there were just things that were not, not approached. And so what I did as a student, I began to, to read the Bible for myself. And I began to ask God, Lord, show me, show me this. Help me understand this book. From what I understand in the book of John, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That means him working with me, us, me partnering with heaven here. Me partnering with the Holy Spirit, he can, he can reveal things to me. He can teach me things. And he began to show me scriptures and passages and begin to link. I didn't have a Thompson chain reference. Anybody ever had one of those? Those are great Bibles. But, but God took the Bible I had and I began to chain, connect all kinds of scriptures. And I began to see a pattern that God is still active. God is still interactive. Do you believe that? He's still interactive. All right, let's dive into the scripture a little bit. I mentioned a moment ago about the gospel of the kingdom. Finish the story. I'll land the plane on that one because it just get. What happened was that in my search for truth, God met me there. And what I found out was that there was this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I thought that's something. It was in Acts 1-5 and Acts 1-8. Acts 1-5 tells you what it is. Acts 1-8 tells you what it's for. And it's so that I could be a witness. A witness. That doesn't mean I can just give the four spiritual laws better. It means a living witness. The kingdom of God expressed through my life. And when I, got to, I tapped into that, everything changed. And it's still changing. Amen? All right, a couple things here, the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of salvation. Let me, let me give you a couple of things. And this is a statement, and I shared this with a group of folks last night. We, we had some great discussion on this, and it's this. The power of God flows from the place of intimacy with God. The power of God flows from the place of intimacy with God. One of the things that we tend to do is that we want to see the stuff of God but we don't really want to get close to God. We're almost like the Israelites at the base of the mountain when Moses was going, all right, God has beckoned us to come up to the mountain. They looked up on the mountain, saw this cloud and all this, and they were like, Moses, you go. They did not want to go up. Moses, you go, you meet with God, and then you come back down and tell us what he said. Let me tell you, that established a dangerous pattern for the church. Where it's like, you, Pastor Jimmy, you, Pastor Rich, you, Annette, you, you, all of you 
professionals. You go up and meet with God. Then you come down and then you spoon feed us what he's told you. That's not our responsibility. Because let me tell you something. They're, they're, Jesus lives in you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to, he wants to minister through you. You are his hands, and you are his feet. You. You know what our job is? Our job isn't to spoon feed, it's to equip you. It's to train you, and then to say, and then to open this door and say, go get them. Go get the bone. Go get the bone. Go get them. Go get them. I mean, it's, our job is to get you out there to where every day as you're going about your daily life, as you're running your mail route, as you're, as you're doing your sales, as you're going through life, as you're shopping, as you're whatever you're doing. Well, you did go shopping today. Whatever you're doing, on the way, you're leaking out life and you're ministering. You're ministering and you're opening. You're listening. You're hearing and you're seeing. And you're not running around like a vulture looking for a victim. You're just doing, doing your business and then this situation interrupts and this one comes up and this one pops up. Do you understand Jesus didn't intentionally go minister? He just went. And as he went, ministry happened because he couldn't help himself. Everywhere he went. You know, it's funny because people can get caught up in demonology and casting out devils and deliverance. And let me tell you something. You don't have to look for demons. If you're full of the Spirit of God and you're armed, you become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, they will find you. And if they're not finding you, you may not be dangerous enough. But as you get full, as you get full, as you get full. I mean, the, I love the guy, the Gadarene guy, because he's just, Jesus is just walking along the shore, and he's like, what do you have to do with us, Jesus? And he's like, I'm, just, I'm going over here. He didn't seek that out. It found him. Why? Because he was full of the kingdom. Let me tell you something. God wants to do more than just save you from hell. He wants to save you for the kingdom of God right here on earth. Are you listening? Did you hear me? He wants to save you for the kingdom of God right here on earth. Heaven meets earth. Jesus prayed it in the book of Matthew when he said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you catch that? When the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray, he goes, do this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven. What do y'all think's going on up there? You think they're having some committee meetings and strategic planning up there? You know what they're The kingdom is already happening, and he's saying, I, bring it here. That's how we're supposed to be praying. When's the last time you said, oh, God, bring your kingdom, bring your kingdom. Let it be done right here, just like it's being done up there. When's the last time you really said, oh, God, do you think there's sickness up there in the kingdom? Do you think there's depression in the kingdom? Do you think there's skinny jeans in the kingdom? No, I'm just messing. In V-necks. I'm just kidding. Sorry. It's a side issue. Uh, do, do you think... <laughs> Sorry. It's Alicia's fault, and it's an inside joke, and I apologize for that. You leak out what you're full of. I read this blog, and it made me laugh. So, do you, do, you think, do you think that things are out of order in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is saying, that's what we want right here. 
Oh, no, no, no. We're just supposed to hang on till we die, right? And then we can go over and be with Jesus. We can live with him forever. Or we can join a cult and go wait on a mountain because we think he might come back on May 21st. Haven't you seen the billboards? Judgment Day is coming. May 21st. I'm going to go gorge myself on May 20th just in case that's right. I, no, I, I, it's just that stuff. First of all, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> but, but let me tell you something. I, there is so much to do for us. There is so much that we have to do. So much God's given. There's so much we want to learn. There's so much we want to grow into. Amen? So much to do. Don't you have relatives that need Jesus? Don't you, don't you, don't you need to be better at this Christian life thing? Don't you want to grow and develop? Hey, oh, Lord, can you wait a little bit? I really want to get, I want to do better. I, I, want, to, I want to grow into some things. Lord, help me. Amen? Amen? The power of God flows from the place of intimacy with God. John, look at this, uh, John chapter, chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, you've got to understand something. Jesus hadn't written the Bible yet. So he's not talking about the, the Bible like we have the Bible. And we, we sometimes will extrapolate that, and I don't think it's entirely inaccurate. But you need to understand, Jesus was saying, if you abide in what I'm saying, if you will abide in what I'm teaching, you know, little stuff like, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, little stuff like that. You know, you know, uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Stuff like that. Jesus had been teaching and been speaking. And he says, if you will abide in what I've just said, he says this, then you are my disciples indeed. Now look at what the next verse, 32 says. And here's the result. If you do this, then this will happen. That's an if-then statement, which is a covenant statement. He says, if you do this, this will happen. You shall know the what? Truth. By the way, truth's not a concept or philosophy or a life, a way of life. It is a person. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hang right there, Randall. You shall know. That word know there. Do you have the definition for know up there? Can you throw that up? The word know is a word, if you've been around here, you've heard me say this before. I think it bears repeating. The word know is a word nosco, and it literally means, or gnosis, and we get Gnosticism from it. And it literally means this. It means to know intimately. Now think about my premise earlier, what I said. The power of God flows from the place of intimacy with God. So here's what know means. To know intimately. To know by experience. In other words, you don't know God unless you know Him by experience. In other words, it's not here. It's that 18-inch connection between the center of your brain, the center of your heart, and the average man. 18-inch connection where there's a connection between the heart and the head. Now, now, nosco's happening. Now, intimacy. Now, an understanding where I don't just wrap my mind around the things of the kingdom, around him. I wrap my heart around him. It means to know by experience. In other words, you can't know God or the kingdom apart from experience. There is no such thing as intellectual assent. That's philosophy. It's a whole different world. And it says this, to know as to partake of. In other words, you're literally partaking. When we, when we receive communion, it's something that's so precious to me. And, and when we do that, I mean, literally, you're, I'm thinking in terms of, of the metaphor here of the blood and the body of Jesus. 
I'm partaking. I'm partaking. I'm knowing. I'm knowing him. I'm partaking of him. The word nosco is, is, is actually the same word for intimacy. All right, just say it. Between a man and a woman, a husband and wife. It's that level of intimacy. It's, it's on all fronts. Emotional, physical, spiritual. That's what nosco is. That's to know. And let me say my statement again. The power of God flows from a place of intimacy with God. Here's the problem. When we want the stuff, and we want the stuff of His hands, we want the power. We want the anointing. We, we, we want the razzle-dazzle. We, we, want the, we want to be able to prophesy and lay hands on the sick and cast out demons and all the stuff he said would happen for believing believers in Mark chapter 16. We want all the razzle-dazzle, but do we, but we want it apart from intimacy. In other words, a wrong way to pray. And I was really struck by this this week because I have found that I can do this too. We can slip into, because it's noble to pray four things. In other words, it's noble for me to say as a pastor, I want to see the church grow and I want to see people brought to Christ. So I need to pray more so that the church will grow. Do you see a problem here? It's where we're literally, and I'm going to say this, and, and it's going to be a little crass sounding, but it's the truth. And it's where we begin to whore God. We begin to prostitute this thing. To where now... I'm using God to get something I desire. Are you hearing me? I need a new car. I need to start praying more. I need a better job, so I need to up my prayer time. I might even fast a meal or two. I need, to, I need more money, so I'm going to give more money. And all of a sudden, we turn this entire thing of the kingdom into, if I do this, then I'm going to get something out. And all of a sudden, we've turned this into a big joke. And the world looks at us and goes, yep, I knew it. Yep, that's exactly what I thought all along. Let me tell you where power comes from. It comes from the place of intimacy. Because when you draw near to him and you get into his sphere, and I would contend that very few people have gotten there. But when we get close to him, something happens where not only do you get more of him, he gets more of you. And when that happens, synergy, connection. And now, all of a sudden, that life that's in him is in you, and it's flowing out. It's like a, it's just moving. It's just going. God's speaking, and you're hearing, and you're seeing, and you're perceiving, and you're, you're getting things. And, and there's something about you that has the life of Christ and the residue and the aroma of Jesus. Is this making sense at all? Because what happens is, is we want to pray to get something, and God goes... now and, and, Mind you, the scripture says, let your request be made known to God. I mean, there's, there's places for that, but you need to understand that. That's prerequisite that you're walking with him, that you know him. On the heels of one of the greatest passages speaking in terms of getting something done is Mark chapter 11 when, God, when he, Jesus says, if you'll speak to this mountain and say to it, be removed and cast to the sea, it will be done. But we stop there because we forget the next verse says, but if you have anything odd against your brother, that if you don't forgive him, God won't forgive you. I mean, he does, there's, there's, a, there's a contingency here called forgiveness. And the only way you can walk in forgiveness is be so close to Jesus that that ability to forgive is on you because he's in you and you're in him. And boom, it falls off. 
We want to forgive mentally instead of actually walking so close to Jesus that stuff just falls off. And we do this with holiness where we try to clean up our act. Well, I'm just going to quit doing that because it's wrong. Well, it's noble. Good try. And good luck. But when you get so close to Jesus, that doesn't have a draw for you anymore. You know what I've discovered in seasons of my life? That the closer I get to Him, I don't have to fight to let things go. I, you know, I don't even have to judge stuff anymore. Now, I partake in this. Is this wrong? Well, you know, I can find a biblical loophole for that, and that makes it okay. Okay, yeah, the Bible doesn't directly address that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I the only human in the room? Well, you know, how far is too far in a couple relationship? You know, I mean, it's kissing, petting. I mean, da 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 We're looking for loopholes. We can twist the Word of God into anything we want. And yet, when you get closer to Jesus and closer and closer in intimacy, you know, you know, you know, you know, suddenly all, things come very clear. And you just know. Well, how do you know? I know in my knower. <laughs> I know. And what I've learned to do, and I've had many discussions, I've just quit telling people. Because people ask me stuff all the time. Is this right? Is this okay? And I'm like, are you looking for a loophole? Because if you are, you're already in trouble. Let's just try a backwards approach. How about you get closer to Jesus, and let's see what happens. I bet you'll lose a desire for that. I bet it won't matter anymore. And you don't have to go blog about it or post on Facebook about it. Just, just live with him. Is this making sense? I think this is so critical that we miss it. And it's so simple we miss it. Because we just want God to tell us, is this right or wrong? Get close to him and you'll know if it's right or wrong. Holiness isn't a project. It's not an event. It's life. Amen? If we want to hear God, we must draw near to God. You want to hear? Draw near. Okay, I sound like a car salesman. If we want to hear him, we've got to draw near to him. And and listen to this. Jesus told us to abide in him. In fact, I'm going to to skip some things here. Let me go straight to Matthew 6.33. Because really, this is what it comes down to. You want more? Do you really want more and do you want him to have more of you it comes down to this seek first the kingdom of god and let me just say something this isn't just this isn't salvation here this isn't getting born again he's talking about we get so caught up into the gospel of salvation that we miss the gospel of the kingdom there's the good news of salvation, that Jesus died for your sins. You can, you can accept his sacrifice for you, accept that who he is, he is who he says he is, and you can be born again, born of the Spirit, according to John chapter 3, and you can live with him forever. Amen. End of story, right? No, it's the kickoff. It's the coin toss. That's not the fourth quarter. This is not the two-minute warning. This is the beginning You step into, and now you get to step into the good news of the kingdom. Is this making sense? Did this go over everybody's head? Have I connected with anybody here tonight? Okay. Okay. Well, shake your head or 
bark or something. Help me. All right, here we go. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it literally means his way of doing and being. That's what that means, to seek his way of doing. So the idea, and you remember Moses said, I want to know your ways. Show me your glory, and I want to know your ways. God said, I'll, I'll let you know my ways, but I, I can't show you my glory. It'll kill you. So I'm going to show you my goodness. So remember that story? So, so, so we want to seek his way, his way of doing, his way of being, God's way. And let me tell you something. It's very different probably than the way 99% of us are living right now. I'm telling you, the closer I step into this, the more I realize how far I have to go. Thank God for everyday grace. But I'm not satisfied with mediocrity. So we've got to keep pressing. We've got to keep moving towards Him. Seek first the kingdom of God's right, and all these other things will be taken care of. The same principle, just as sin will fall off of your life, also things will be added to your life as you grow up, draw near to Him, as you seek first His kingdom. Does this make sense? So just as sin will drop off, it will also bring things to you. All right? So we want to go to him. We want to grow to him and get close to him. The word abide means this. It's, it's a Greek word, minnow, and it literally means to be kept continually. To be kept continually. So when we abide in him, we're kept continually. It means to continue. So to abide means it's continual. It's not just a, you know, I'm not, I'm not a one-hit wonder here in the kingdom. Right. Woohoo! big victory, woo! And then 15 years later, remember that time? Remember that day in church? Remember when God showed up? Oh, yeah, woo, let's go. Oh, let's go to Starbucks and talk about that. So we'll celebrate something happened years ago. Right. Nothing worse than hearing a 70s charismatic talk about the 70s. I'm going, wait, champ. This is 2000. Man, what is God doing today? Come on, break out some new wineskins. Amen? Amen? Celebrate the past, but don't build a monument to it. Let's get, we've got to keep moving. Glory to glory. Faith to faith. Amen? Level to level, precept upon precept, we're growing in this thing to continue to be present. When I abide in him and he abides in me, I'm present in him and he's present in me. That's awesome, about to preach. Now look what it says, to be present, to live or to dwell. So here's what we want to do. We want to abide, we want to draw near so that we're living, dwelling, abiding. He's present, he's present, we're present. At the end of the day, it's all that matters. Well, but I need this fixed. I need this taken care of. I need to be rescued here. I need relief here. I need this. Get close to him. And let me tell you something. Life will find order. Let me, let me say it better. Order will find you. And devils and other things. It's like Bill Murray and Ghost. You know, they hate this. I mean, they hate, they hate this. Again, period reference. All right, for some of you, some of you are like, oh, I don't remember that show. All right, let me let me finish this. Then we're going to have a little we're have a little class time. A couple of things. Philippians three ten. Can you do that, Randall? Look at Philippians three ten here. Look at Paul's heart. We've already defined the word no. It means to know by what experience. You need to always think. I don't know anything unless I've experienced. In other words. Information is not experience. That's why information does not result in transformation. Does this make sense? Our goal as Christians is not just to get everybody saved, it's to get them transformed. I don't, I don't care if you pray a prayer, check a box, get dunked. 
Listen, I know a lot of people who did that. There's been no transformation, no change. All they did was check a box, wept at the altar, got dunked, had a moment in God, but never grew, never changed, never anything. There was no change. But we'll clap and go, ooh, they got saved and baptized. No, if they're not transformed, that means they're not transforming anybody else. They're not disciples who are making disciples. Am I making sense? I know it's pretty heavy. Is this too heavy for Wednesday night? Are you good? Okay, all right. He says this. Paul cries out. He says, that I may know him, that I may know him, that I may know by experience, that I may know him by experiencing him, and the dunamis, another Greek word, all right? Here's what dunamis means. Force, explosive force. We get the word dynamite from it, or dynamic, which means impacting impacting movement so it means it literally means power for working miracles okay do your own study it's there that i may know him i'm by experience i may and and the power the dunamis the dynamite the dynamic of his resurrection what do we know about the resurrection god raised him from the dead that's pretty powerful and the bible says that the same power that worked in him works what mightily in us God doesn't just work, it works mightily. Uh, It's like he amped it up, even since the resurrection. That's awesome. Look at this, the fellowship of his sufferings. Ooh, we don't like to talk about that. Let's let's lop that verse off. No, no. Let me tell you something. It's out of your scars, it's out of your pain that God goes, look, it's when you're weak, I'm made strong. My grace is sufficient in your weakness. Amen? Amen? Don't disdain and don't hide your scars. Jeez, come on. Let God use that. You know, there are some people that will never talk to you until you go, oh, wait, I've been through that myself. And they go, really? Oh, okay, now, now you got my ear. But God, but God, but God. Quit hiding your scars. That's a part of your testimony. Don't brag on your scars. Brag on God. Amen? But don't hide them. Don't stuff it. Transparent. I mean, the world wants genuine. Let's be genuine, okay? How about genuinely alive, genuinely saved, genuinely on fire, genuinely powerful amen genuinely supernatural amen those are not oxymorons all right fellowship of sufferings being conformed to his death now one other verse and then we're gonna we're gonna go to school here for a sec second chronicles 7 14 second chronicles 7 12 or 13 and 14 what do we got yeah now again i think this applies he says when i shut up heaven and there is no rain would y'all say that's kind of what we seem to be experiencing i don't know maybe not maybe we'll see he says this, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence. Let me tell you something. He says locusts, we see fire. Roy was flying in from Dallas-Fort Worth, and he said up in the, at night, last night, driving, flying in, and he said it was bizarre. It was, just, it was almost surreal seeing the fires and the glow all over the land. You think, you, think, uh, you think the land's not getting devoured right now? Or send pestilence among my people. You think AIDS isn't pestilence? I mean, come on, let's just talk. I mean, the stuff that's going on, and not only that, just the spirit of lawlessness that's wreaking havoc among all of us. If my people, now he sets up a contingency. He says, if, someone say if. You know what if means? It means it's not guaranteed. You, got, you have to do something. If my people, notice he says his people, not Buddha's people. Not Hare Krishna's people. Come on, somebody. He says, if my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves. There's the first mark right there, humility. And pray. And pray. And seek my hand. Oh, wait, no, face. See, again, we're not going after the stuff. We're going after the him. And you know, when we get him, we get everything. Amen? Amen? But I'm not going after him to get everything. I'm going after him because I want him. Period. And turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance. Then I will. This is an if-then statement. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Do you think our land needs to be healed? Do you think our sin needs to be forgiven? Do you think we live in a lawless culture right now? Has anyone noticed it's getting crazy out there? It's just nuts. Kindergarter, taking a gun to school, falling out of his pocket, and it's accidentally shooting somebody. Well, it was an accident. Well, why do you have a gun in the first place? I mean, come on. So things are getting nuts. We need our sin forgiven and our land healed. Now, the last verse, 15. Look at the result. Now. Now my eyes will be open. This is God speaking. And my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to make a difference. Amen? But there's some prerequisites. So it's this idea of intimacy. And listen, we don't like to talk about intimacy because it just doesn't seem that much fun. It's not spectacular. But let me tell you, it is a prerequisite for power. You want real power? You want real anointing? You want a life that makes a difference? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want your life to be significant? Do you want to go out in a blaze of glory? Or do you want to go out with a dud? I mean, just a thud, like a lead balloon. I want to go out with my life making a difference. I want to be 85 years old like Caleb saying, it's time. It's time. I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. That Caleb spirit. Why? Intimacy. He knew his God. Intimacy. Intimacy.